You get suspicious when we start recording? Yes. You get suspicious? <laughs> this is called mm-hmm. a cold open. We roll on everything just That's in case. Way, I don't know if you've noticed, you've rarely been able to use one with me. I know because you're always <laughs> so, you get so paranoid as soon as, as soon as we start rolling, you just, you Correct. just get all serious. Correct. Yep. But these are the moments where the gold happens, Pierre. These little off-the-cuff moments. It's called a cold I open where something goofy happens. And... The time of my life. This is it. <laughs> this is definitely the cold open happening right now. Little dirty dancing there for you. Hey, Pierre, let's never do that again, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and roll the music. <laughs> different team this year uh than we were last year and um you know it's been been exciting for a lot of us you know i think you see the rejuvenated you know faces in this room yes mark shifley and the winnipeg jets are heavily rejuvenated this year and rick bonus has to get a lot of credit for that we will talk with the winnipeg jets head coach coming up on today's edition of got your back nhl edition with lebrun and rashog also on the podcast today we're gonna go around the nhl what a night for shane wright uh, scores his first NHL goal against the Montreal Canadiens. How apropos was that? How about those Toronto Maple Leafs? A huge win. The Marner streak continues. And Matt Murray is absolutely crushing it. A lot of talk about Ovi and goal scoring this year. How about Sidney Crosby? Goals, goals, goals coming from number 87. And of course, lots of NHL trade talk with our premier insider, Pierre Lebrun. Got your back, NHL, brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, providing equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. What sets them apart, though, is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the head offices. They proudly display that on the walls in each of their branches, and every one of the staff members lives by that get-or-done formula to ensure they never let their customer down. They take great pride in this attitude and believe that their customer success is their success. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, title sponsor here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashad. Good morning, Monsieur LeBron. How are you, my friend? Ça va très bien, Monsieur Rashad. Oh, I love it. Très I love bien. it. Anytime you bring the French, I know it's going to be a high-energy day from Pierre. I love that. I'm going to see you in the flesh next week. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, getting on a plane, going to be at the Board of Governors, a uh, little Stanley Cup final reunion for you and I. Uh, people yeah. always ask me, like, because I, I, you know, I do these trips a couple times a year. They think mm-hmm. it's this amazing trip to Florida. And I'm not going to complain about having to go to Florida, but it's a little bit different. We're not exactly sitting beachside. Like, I'm sitting in a suit yeah. in 28-degree weather waiting for a bunch of guys to stop talking so I can go annoy them. It's, it's it's not exactly beachfront time that we're spending in, in no, Vegas, I, I'd say. It, it, it's funny that you say that. I, I was texting with uh, one of the hockey dads in, in, uh, in our group, and uh, he's going to take my son to his game Sunday because uh, I'll be in Florida by then for the Board of Governors. And and I think I've talked enough about what these trips are like where my buddy said, by the way, enjoy sitting in a hotel lobby in your suit for 10 hours a day. So there yeah. you go. See, he gets it. Uh, but you know what? It... it, it, it I enjoy it because it's networking. It's what we do. And yep. and uh, I'm glad we do get to cover those meetings. Once in a while, uh, you get a bombshell. I'll never forget the year. I don't know if you were there, Ryan, or not, but we were uh, at the Board of Governors, I think, in Pebble Beach. And yep. uh, Gary and I was given a kind of a heads up, be ready for uh, for after the first day of the meetings, 
commissioner has something to announce. I was like, I wonder what this will be. There was no lead up, no hints, no, no leaks. And he sat there in front of the mic and said, we're going to let the this group from Las Vegas do a bit of a season ticket drive, or sorry, a ticket drive to see if yes, I was there. And I was like, there was about nine of us, right, in, in the room. Because it doesn't get over-covered, the Board of Governors. Yeah. And um, overly covered. And uh, we were just like, okay, this is happening. Yeah. yeah. So you never know. Snap. We'll see what, what happens. Any, expecting any little nuggets this year? Well, listen, we'll do some podcasts from the Board of Governors. But, I mean, what do you think? What's the agenda look like? Any potential nuggets of significant interest? Well, you certainly, have to say yes. So that they still send us. By the way, you can't. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, some years it's a dud, but certainly the salary cap news is what most governors are really intrigued by in terms of the latest update from the league. They got a mini one in New York in October when I was there, but uh, yep. now this is usually a meeting where the league says, "Okay, this is what we're projecting," and normally the projection from this December meeting is pretty close to what happened. So, and, and remember, this is. This is a big year because it's kind of a 50-50 proposition of, yeah. as to whether the cap jumps $4 million if the revenues hit right or just $1 million and then you wait another year for the big jump. And let me tell you, about 20 teams and LTIR right at the cap, you know what they're uh, hoping for, Ryan. Yeah, no kidding. We're hoping for action. We just want action at the trade deadline. So open it up. Let Give teams a little bit of breathing room, a little mm. more confidence moving forward. Maybe we'll see some more hockey deals, right? Because it's it, you know you see hockey deals with guys that got contract have contract mm-hmm. left, and uh, maybe it spices up trade deadline a little bit if there's some good news that comes out of the BOGs. Okay, lots to get to round the horn from the National Hockey League. So let's get to the breakdown brought to you by our good friends at Pro Hockey Life. And Christmas is on the way, and Pro Hockey Life can be that one stop shop for the hockey lover in your family. Some really cool products to consider. How about a hockey shot, hockey radar? Track how hard you or your youngster is shooting that puck. The cool thing about that, you can see and measure improvement as time goes on. Really cool technology. Some other cool training devices, the Super Deke or the Helio Core Performance Sensor. They've got all that great technology to help measure and improve the growth in your game in different areas. Lots of cool apparel as well. Grab your favorite team's jersey or sweater. Uh, Lots of cool uh, trinkets and memorabilia. Pro Hockey Life. It's Christmas time. They're obsessed with the game, as are the rest of us. Okay, Pierre, there's no place to start other than the Seattle Kraken last night because we've talked about Shane Wright, it feels like, every single podcast, and it's been bad news bears every time we've had to talk about him. Finally, something great happened for Shane Wright. Scores his first NHL goal, and the beauty of the moment, it was against the Montreal Canadiens, as we all know the team that passed him up uh, in this year's draft. What were you thinking when you saw that last night? Well, they weren't the only team, so I guess he's hoping to score against all three teams that passed him <laughs> up. But yeah, that was a that was a fabulous moment. I'm happy for him. I mean, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who had to live with the hype and then what happened, disappointment, and I'm sure the second guessing. And and he said something great happened for him finally. Something good happened for him before last night. I mean, going to the HL in the conditioning stint and uh, and scoring four goals in five games, I think was a huge thing for him. I talked with someone close to him this week and boy did that get his uh, his juices going and his confidence back leading into that NHL opportunity playing against Montreal on uh, on Tuesday night so uh, he looked terrific and uh you know you know it's interesting because i think that decision was like 90% taken that you know he would probably join Canada at the world juniors and that you know i i traded text with the uh, Kraken GM Ron Francis uh Tuesday 
Yeah. Uh, and, and it was like, well, well, we'll make that decision over the next couple of days here. But it just seemed like that. Go? Well, no, I, I, I don't want to start anything here, but it, it's funny because when they made that decision, it, don't you feel like it's sort of based on why well, he doesn't look ready for the NHL, but we don't want to send him back to the OHL. So the world juniors would be a nice little, and then he go, goes out last night and he plays pretty well. I, I think St. Hermines will prevail. I think the world juniors would be a terrific opportunity for him and, and his development. And, and then, uh, you know, who knows what happens after that, but we'll see. I mean, it's interesting where, we still have to wait for the official decision from Seattle or announcement. Cracking one of the great stories in the league so far this year, 15-7-3, second place in the Pacific. And if they think he's going to be a contributor, here's the thing. Young players are susceptible to the ebbs and flows of confidence, right? We know this. Mm. Well, he's finally feeling some confidence. You talked about his AHL stint, scores all the goals. Uh, the quiz master did some digging through the archives. And here's a stat for you on Shane Wright. He's got five goals in a six-game span. It's the first time he scored five goals in six games since 1920, his rookie season uh, in junior. So he's feeling it offensively. And you never know with a player of this talent level when you get feeling it and the confidence comes, what you might be able to do. Love the way he scored the goal too. Took a big hit on the wall, went to the front of the net, goal scorer's goal. Good things happening for Shane Wright and, and Hockey Canada. And, and, I'm sure. and, the, and the Habs winning another game that really they have no business winning. Yeah. It's like yeah. been that kind of year for Montreal. The numbers suggest they, the, the doors should be blown off most nights in terms of the great A's they give up. But Jake Allen was outstanding Tuesday night and they still won in Seattle. Marty St. Louis was through Edmonton here this last week and, and had the chance to interview him and chat with him a little bit. And man, he's. For as intense a player he was, he's sure an easygoing head coach, just a real easy nature and seems to be taking things in stride. And um, I think he's setting a really nice tone uh, for that mm-hmm. team. Toronto Maple Leafs, Pierre, 9-0-3 in their last Ooh. 12. A 4 nothing shutout over Dallas. Dallas is going right now and that offense is going. But how about Matt Murray? 44 <laughs> saves. 9-32 in nine games, his save percentage. And he's 6-0-2 uh, since his injury. Like, holy snap, when they signed him, a lot of people kind of raised their eyebrow, myself included. But Matt Murray has proven a lot of people wrong right now. So don't you think Pierre Dorian is watching the Leafs play right now and watching Matt Murray play, and he's saying, shut the front door. Where was this Matt Murray when we had him in Ottawa? 100%. Um, Because this is Stanley Cup Matt Murray from Pittsburgh right now. Um. It's been a while since we've seen this kind of consistency and excellence from Matt Murray. And think about how the year started, right, Ryan? He's hurt right off the bat. And Leaf fans yeah. are going crazy. Oh, what this guy's hurt again. Was what a disaster. Happen. Yeah. And and the pressure on Kyle Dubas for taking this gamble. Well, fast forward a uh, number of weeks later, the Leafs uh, have lost one game in regulation since November 1st. Matt Murray's a big part of that since he's come back. I mean, listen. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say Kyle Dubas has won this gamble. It's done. What's the date today? December 7th. He's won. Samsonov was good uh, when he's played this year. Uh, Matt Murray's been excellent. The Leafs were right. Well, it's December. And so the reality is both those guys have already got hurt once. So you have to mix the fact that you're getting excellent results when they're in net with the idea that let's see about their durability the rest of the year. 100%. Uh, but so far, so good. So far, so good yeah. for lease management rolling the dice. 
Yeah, too early for a verdict on that. Just you got to see how many games he can play and if he can stay healthy because that was one of the main criticisms. Love the penalty kill last night. How about that five-on-three? If you didn't see the game, so there's a five-on-three. Leafs are down, then Mitch Marner gets his stick exploded. So it's five-on-two-and-a-half. You got Matt Murray diving around in the crease like a madman. Leafs players jumping all over. I think they blocked three or four shots in that sequence. And with all these injuries on the blue line, Lilgren, Sandine. I mean, the defensive prowess that these guys are showing with extra added minutes, everything is coming up aces for the Leafs right now. And, and I understand that if you want to be a glass half, half empty person, you'll say, well, I'll wait till April. Of course. I mean, <laughs> this season is the last referendum wah, wah. on this entire outfit. I get it. But what they've done without all their injured defensemen, with some of their goalies injured, and persevered through that adversity, I think can only help grow this team when that moment comes again in April in terms of guys now that have played bigger roles, played bigger minutes, gained confidence from it. These things aren't wa- these aren't wasted moments because the Leafs are playing regular season hockey and people know they're always good in the regular season. This is a different year. You don't get to do that. Now, I understand. Come April, they lose again in the first round. You know, God knows what happens to to the organization. But right now, the things that are happening to this team are nothing but positive. And the players can't take on that same attitude. Like fans are, hey, show me in April, show me in April. The players have to be allowed to feel great about things that they're accomplishing in season Mm -hmm. here. They have to be allowed to feel that confidence build as a group and not have it always be, yeah, but the big stuff's coming. Yeah, I mean, you got to let players revel in this. And how much are the Leafs reveling in this? They should be. Mitch Marner, the streak continues. First time the Dallas Stars have been shut out all year. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs, minus all these defensemen. Austin Matthews scores an Austin Matthews-style goal last night. The goaltending is great. Lots going right right now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Pierre, lots to talk about Alexander Ovechkin in the chase and the goal-scoring prowess. But how about Sidney Crosby? Sidney Crosby right now is on pace to outscore Alexander Ovechkin for only the third time in their head-to-head careers. It doesn't happen very often. Two goals from Sidney Crosby last night. Love the way he scored these goals. Uh, He's playing fantastic hockey. 15 goals in 26 games of rejuvenated Crosby. Unbelievable. And it's funny you say that. I I was going to bring it up tonight. I didn't realize you were today uh, because I was watching him part of that game last night. And I don't know in terms of a national platform, if we're all guilty of once we all decided that we took the fake um, uh, torch and best player in the world and, and, and politely asked Sydney to give it to us. And then we gave it to Connor McDavid. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that we, it's sort of like, Hey, what a career, Sydney. And we kind of all moved on. And part of it is the penguins, you know, the, yeah, the penguins haven't been great the last couple of years, but what can you ask for <laughs> from Sidney Crosby that he hasn't done? He continues to be that consistent superstar over 200 feet, never cheats a moment, never cheats a game. It is absolutely still the greatest example of what you want in a center in the NHL in terms of his work ethic. Um, I know you kind of run out of words, and maybe that's part of it is we've written about him so much and talked about him so much over the years, but he's still doing it. I mean, I mean, there are no signs of, oh, is this the last year he's going to be good? I don't know. I mean, you know, it looks to me like this guy can do this for another five years at least. Oh, yeah. So 31 goals in 69 games last year. He's already got 15 
uh, in the 26 games he's played this year. I love the way he scored those goals too. Uh, just vintage Crosby, right? Uh, on one of them, wins a draw, uh, goes hard to the net, battles hard with the defenseman, leaps up in the air when the shot's coming through to get out of the way, falls down, bats it in. Just a, you know, he's less than a foot from the crease. And then the other one, my goodness, it was this tip in from the side of the net where the puck came in and he kind of had to just slice it over top of the goaltender. After the game last night, Mike Sullivan was asked about Crosby and the goal scoring prowess and the number of ways in which he's getting it done. Here he is. Well, the goal he got on the power play tonight on the back post there when, when, he, when he drags his leg and he gets down, he makes himself big. I can't tell you how many times I've seen him score that goal over the years. And, you know, not a lot of guys can score that type of a goal. Yeah, he's scoring goals in a way that, you know, you think about the best goal scorers in the game. Uh, I don't know if there's a better guy that's right in and around that paint for just shaping things the way he shapes them for those those greasy areas right in and around. A lot of the best scorers in the game, they're good one-shot scorers, good power play scorers, and he can do that too. But right in around the net, Pierre, he's, he's like a 20-year-old in his prime. It's amazing, and this has been said often about him, but it's worth repeating. I mean, he, he's he got a fourth-line grinders mentality in a superstar talented body, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the way that, that he approaches the game is, 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 is blue-collar, and, 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 you know, not every superstar does that, and, and there's a reason, because a lot of superstars are so talented that they can approach the game differently, but not him. He is just different. And, um, you know, it's wonderful to see. And, um, again, if you're a hockey parent with, with a, and your daughter, your son, just picking up the game, f- find the Crosby package. Find the Crosby package for how you play at both ends of the ice. And uh, there's no better example. I'll never forget covering them. I can't remember which year it was, but covering them through one of their Stanley Cup finals and practice. After practice one day, it was kind of wrapped up. He was still out on the ice. I remember I was watching him. He skated right over to another player, like grabbed him, kind of waved him, like, come over here. Took the player into the corner, explained to him what he wanted him to do, the way he wanted him to challenge Sid. And then they ran through this drill where Crosby was working on bouncing the puck off the boards behind his back and rolling and then coming out the other side. And he had the player trying to defend him. He actually went, got a teammate, because there was a very specific element in his game where I don't know if he saw it on tape. I don't know if maybe he, he, he failed at it a couple of times or whatever, but the the awareness of every nook and cranny of his own game and the willingness to work on things that he's not good at. That's the thing, man. Everyone, it's fun to work on the stuff you're good at. Crosby is mm-hmm. dogged in working on the things that he's not good at. And after all these years, it continues to separate him. Uh, Got to get to some trade talk with you. Saw insider trading last night. You guys throwing a bunch of great stuff around. Uh, I, I We'll get to Chikrin and we'll get to Besser in a moment here. But Darren Drager certainly raised some eyebrows there with Eric Carlson chatter and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I know it was kind of Dreg's little nugget there, Pierre, but uh, what do you make of the idea that <laughs> the Oilers can somehow find a way to stuff that player and his salary cap into their lineup? That, that that's not a that's not a nugget you just try to softly drop, which is what Dregs <laughs> did very well there. It's still um, shocking here at Edmonton. Yeah, because you got to make. I think he was really good. Dregs was as the pro he is. Yeah. Not to suggest this is definitely happening. Of course not. He's just saying that obviously the Oilers brass are looking at all the different possibilities between now and March third to upgrade the blue line, which clearly they have to do. Um, 
I mean, the Carlson thing is going to be fascinating on so many levels. First of all, the player controls his fate, right? 100% no move clause. So, you know, whatever happens with them, if it happens, I mean, this could easily wait till the off season, but it has to, you know, it's like Claude Giroux a year ago who said, this is where I'm going. Well, that's essentially what Eric Carlson has in his control over the rest of his contract. Number two, the contract, you know, multi years left at 11.5 million. Obviously the sharks would have to eat out of that. How much are they willing to eat? Um, And when you see Eric Carlson play this year, finally healthy, looks like the Eric Carlson of old, but you're the team gambling on this. Are you sure that this is, you know, you're getting this next year, the year after. Um, So there's so many wild cards to this. It's not going to be a trade where the sharks net a whole lot in return, believe it or not. It's because this really is about moving the contract. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think if you can make the money work, uh, whether it's Edmonton or, or another team, I know some people have, have talked about Florida. Um, you know, I think it's worth the gamble because I think that if he's, first of all, if he's going to your team, it means he's waived and that he's willing to make that new market, his new home for the rest of his career, essentially. And so I think there's a motivation there. There, there, there. There's a commitment from the player. That's important. Sometimes you get a pending UFA and it's like, I don't know, what, what are we getting here, right? I mean, he's here for two months and this is different. This, this would be a hockey trade and, um, and, a, and a gamble on, you know, one of the world's most talented defensemen. So I just think, and I could be wrong, I just feel like there's a better chance of this being an off-season deal once we know what's going on with the salary cap than it is in season here, but we'll see. 34 points. Wow. <laughs> 28 games for a rejuvenated uh, Eric Carlson. Uh, Jacob Chikrin, price continues to be high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's and he's justifying it. I mean, listen, he's come back and he's played really, really well. I mean, he's played yeah. seven games. He's got three goals, six points. He's taken 31 shots in those seven games. So he's returned 22 minutes a night, Ryan. Yeah, 22 minutes a night, 22 25 a night. He's returned with the intention to shoot. He's scoring goals. I think Bill Armstrong has to kind of be going like, yep, okay, you know, because he's been asked a lot about the price and should the price change. And here his players come back, gotten healthy, and is absolutely justifying what Armstrong's been looking for all along. And a bargain of a contract. And that's. The reason for the high price, really. I mean, this guy signed for a couple more years uh, at a really good deal, um, which means something in this landscape, right? I mean, Brandon Hagel was traded for two first-round picks last year. That's yeah. still something when you say it out loud that is, that is fascinating, right? Because of his cap it, $1.5 million. That cap it for Brandon Hagel directly resulted, and, and he's a decent player, and to Tapa having to spend two first round picks. Now, granted, not high first round picks because of the Tampa Bay Lightning, but that's the point here with Jacob Tricker, and I think that's got lost a bit. Like people are like, well, you know, how good is he? Well, we can debate that part. I, I do think he's a top four defenseman, but it's the cap it. You're getting a top four defenseman at that cap it, and he's signed for a couple more years. He's not a rental. So Arizona feels that's why they want two first round picks as part of any package. Lots of chatter in Edmonton, too, about whether the Oilers would be heavily invested in trying to make that work. Uh, Based on the asking price, you know, Philip Broberg, uh, a first-round pick, 
Um, you know, they got Xavier Borgo in the minors as well. Mm-hmm. They got they have some good young prospects, and and they've got their first round pick this upcoming year. Oilers really need a second pairing uh, left shot defenseman, and Chikrin would definitely fit that bill. But Ken Holland has been pretty hesitant to move first round picks since he arrived here. He's basically held on to all of them. And uh, but this is the year, right? The Oilers are in this window, and if you're going to move a first round pick uh, in any year, this might be the year to do it, Pierre. Well, by the way, I always kind of get nervous when someone says this is the year. That's really not the way to run a team ever. But 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 you're right. By <laughs> it the way. might that's, be here in Edmonton, man. But, but that happened. No, I know. Four last year, it's pretty clear what I the know. glaring weakness is. I mean, well, and of course, this is the year in Toronto, and this is the year in many places. <laughs> but um, I was thinking the other day, who has more pressure to land a, a, a blue line upgrade between now and March third? Or perhaps now in the moment. Is it Ottawa or Edmonton? Ottawa's not making the playoffs. So I guess you'd have to say Edmonton on the other it's hand. It's Edmonton. Yeah. But 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 does Ottawa have to do this just hockey trade-wise to set up next year at this point? You yeah. know? Um, they need help on their blue line. Yeah, it's a good question. But but I mean, again, McDavid, Drysaddle in their prime, got to the final four last year. Mm-hmm. Pretty obvious what the weakness is in their lineup. Um, if their goaltending holds, they're going to hit the playoffs with us expectations, but uh, they got to upgrade this blue line for sure. Watch night in, night out. It's very, very clear that they need to. So we'll see see what Ken Holland can get done. And interesting to see if he gets more aggressive with picks this year uh, than he has been in recent years. Remember, he got bit, right? Two second-round picks for Athanasiu, and it never really panned out with him at all. And he's been a little more hesitant to move high picks since that mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brock Besser. Uh, Brock Besser. uh, I mean, I know that his agent is working it. You guys talked about the number of teams. Uh, Can we get into specific teams yet on the Besser conversation? Do we know? Is it still too early, Pierre? Where does it lie and who does it lie with on Brock Besser? Yeah, I mean, it's always hard to predict when when things will line up. But the sense I got the last couple of days was that this is going to take a bit of time. You know, I talked to a number of teams. Um, You know, teams are interested in him. They don't like his AV, $6.65 million um, for two, the next two and a half years. So they want that to be mitigated somehow. But the Canucks, you know, if, the, if and when the Canucks trade Brock Besser, it has to be a deal that, that helps uh, unclog their salary cap picture, which is not very good, right? So I, I don't think the Canucks are going to want to eat on that contract. So obviously a contract has to be going back as part of this deal. And that's, I think, part of the the discussions that are happening right now. But listen, the fact that Ben Hankinson, the agent for Brock Besser, was given the green light last week by the Canucks to speak directly to teams, what does that tell you? It tells you that I, I think the Canucks are, this is my own interpretation, but the Canucks are telling the agent who wants this process sped up, yeah, you think it's easy? You, go you ahead. go talk to the teams and let me know, you know what you hear. The, the cap, the cap, the cap, the cap. You know, open up cap friendly and look at all the teams that have no cap room. And this yeah. is what everyone's dealing with. But, you know. Um, well, and if they're not willing to eat, right, he's got two years left at $6.65 million on that yeah. three-year deal that he did. And uh, no, he's got four goals. So, so as, as one GM right? told me yesterday, and he can't get into it, it just doesn't work for him. But, but you know, I asked, well, how does this deal go down? And he said, listen, it has to be a pending UFA contract that goes back in a deal so that Canucks – can liberate uh, some cap room at the end of the Space, year. Yeah. You know, what does it matter this year? Right. But then the question is, what's the other asset in the deal as well? 
that that makes this all work. Um, and how does it work for the team acquiring Brock Besser that they can afford that AV after this year? Now you go back to our chat about the Board of Governors. The cap's going up $4 million. That could have an impact on a Brock Besser deal. Mm -hmm. But if it looks like they're just going to fall short and it's only going up $1 million, might be harder to move them, believe it or not. Like this is sort well, of a tight... Carlson deal? Same exactly. Thing, right? Another impacted uh, situation, yeah. So I, I think some GMs and governors are kind of waiting to get more info HR-wise. Quickly, uh, Colorado and the Nathan McKinnon situation, uh, they're 13-9-1, fourth in the Central. Will there be uh, a push to maybe add something there uh, just based on being without McKinnon here for a little bit? Yeah. Some underwhelming results, not terrible, but underwhelming for the defending Stanley Cup champs so far. Yeah, as I said on Insider Trading Tuesday, I mean, for now they can't. I mean, the, the original premise here is that all these players that are out, and they're out five of their top six forts now with McKinnon mm -hmm. out. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, they're all coming back. And again, this is the tricky thing about having injuries in the first half of the season versus the second half of the season is that if these are all injuries that were happening in February, there's no question the Avs could say, well, that guy's not coming back to the playoffs. That guy's not coming back to the playoffs. And now you've got $10 million to play with. But because all these guys are scheduled to be back at some point in the second half of the season, a lot of them actually quite sooner. I think Nutrushkin's on the man, for example. Um, you know, you kind of have to grin and bear it. Now, that doesn't mean they can't be creative. And that's why I don't want to say 100% no, they don't do something here. But I have a feeling they're just going to try and get through this and wait till the new year. And then I think as we get closer to February, I think Colorado is intent on being an aggressive. And that's notwithstanding all the injuries they've had. I think they had that intention before the puck even dropped this year because they lost Nazem Godry and never replaced him. And, and I think they always said to themselves, let's get through, you know, the, the, the big part of the year here. And then when you get closer to March 3rd, you have more flexibility on the cap. If they're still in a playoff spot, and here's a team that literally won't care where they finish, right? They just want to mm -hmm. get in. They know who they are when they're healthy again. Yep. But I think they do try to go get that top six player um, to fill that cadre hole if they can. All right, going to be interesting to see. Great stuff, Pierre. That was The Breakdown, brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. Lots more to come here on the podcast, uh, our conversation with Rick Bonus. By the way, we talked to him before their game uh, last night against the Florida Panthers. And we didn't Paul jinx Reese him. made his return. No, we didn't jinx him. Ended up winning, <laughs> ended up winning a game. Um, by the way, nice ovation for Paul Maurice last night. You know, parts of nine years in that city. I thought, mm -hmm. uh, I thought the fans did a good job and, and a nice moment there uh, for not just Paul Maurice, um, but for Jamie Compon as well, the assistant that was there for a lot of years with him. Yeah, and and those were that was a wonderful decade. Paul Maurice was such a stabilizing factor for that franchise. It was such a great fit forever, but nothing lasts forever. And it was clearly time and, 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 you know, so unique that it was Paul Maurice himself um, almost a year ago. I think it was December 17th that stepped down. You know, how many coaches get to call their own shot like Paul yeah. Maurice did last year? But it was time. And um, Rick Bonus has been a breath of fresh air. Oh, yeah. Amazing.
He has. To that end, uh, here's Mark Shifley post game last night. We're a different team this year uh, than we were last year, and um, you know it's been been exciting for a lot of us. You know, I think you see the rejuvenated, you know, faces in this room. You know, you know Bones has really been on us a lot. You know, each and every day, whether it's a good game or a bad game, he's he's always looking to help us. And I think it's been, you know, it's been awesome for me. It's been awesome for a lot of us. That, you know, we're being challenged. Or, or, you know, we're being pushed to, to to reach our you know full potential. And I think that 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 does a lot for our team. He was brought in for a reason. You know, the personality that Rick Bonus has, what this team needed, Pierre. Uh, I think Kevin Chevalier understood what this group needed, and that's a big reason why he brought Rick Bonus in. What stood out to you uh, from our conversation with him? Yeah, I, I, one thing that, that he could affirm that we, you and I have talked about, about his hire, is that, you know, in baseball, you get the high leverage relievers that come in for a, yep. a big moment in a game. Like, like he was a high leverage hire. There was a bit of urgency as to where this whole thing was going in terms of a crossroads for this franchise. And he was brought in to fix things. And, um, and, and you know, what we talked about, I, I thought he confirmed that, listen, he wasn't going around looking for a job anywhere in the league. Th this job came to him. It was the perfect fit. He could have easily retired. And I think the fact that the players know that he doesn't come here out of desperation. Like he could have walked away after an amazing mm -hmm. career. I think it's had an impact on the way everything's been embraced there with Rick Bonus. And I was coaching was carefree, right? Coaching exactly. absolutely carefree and doing a heck of a job. Uh, our conversation with Jets head coach Rick Bonus is on the other side of the break. Thanks, Pierre. Appreciate it. We'll uh, talk to you shortly here. You're listening to Got Your Back, NHL edition. Lots more to come. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that. All right, time now for Who's Got Your Back, brought to you by Liberty Smart Security, a company that specializes in having your back. High-quality, advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. Liberty Smart Security uses leading-edge technology to protect the things that you value most in life. Your home is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security. Visit libertysecurity.ca. I've been protecting my family, my home, with a Liberty Smart Security system for the last six or seven years and absolutely love the product. It's intuitive. It's smart. It's simple if you want it to be, and you get a great level of peace of mind knowing that you've got a monitored security system uh, that's highly advanced protecting you and your loved ones. That's Liberty Security. .ca. Okay, this week's guest on the podcast, really happy to have Rick Bonus join us. Boy, the Winnipeg Jets are cooking, hey, as we've discussed. Rick Bonus is coached in five decades, if you can believe that. The last active coach uh, that actually coached back in the 80s. Here is his journey. Stay with me, folks. And this is NHL, AHL, assistant, associate, head guy. Uh, here's his coaching journey. Sherbrooke, Winnipeg, Moncton, Winnipeg, Maine. Boston, Ottawa, 
Long Island, Phoenix, Vancouver, Tampa, Dallas, and now full circle back to Winnipeg. I've been everywhere, man. That is truly the case uh, for Rick Bonus. You'll remember he was brought into Winnipeg after a stint in Dallas to try and rejuvenate a group that had gone yeah, stagnant, let's say. And so far, the results have really been something. The architect of it this season, brought to you by Liberty Smart Security, Jets head coach, Rick Bonus. Well, he was the second-round pick, 26th overall in the 1975 amateur draft by the Atlanta Flames, 173 career NHL games, and 191 penalty minutes. Rick Bonus joining us. Thanks for being here, Rick. My pleasure, guys. Good to see you. Hey, do you recall who had the most penalty minutes in your draft year? Like, if you think back to that 75 draft, there were some tough fellas in that draft. You I know would who? say Mel Bridgman, probably. He was number one overall. I would, go, I would probably go with Mel. <laughs> it was close. No, it wasn't Mel. Willie Plett, 2,572 penalty minutes wow. uh, for the fifth-round pick. Okay. And the only reason I was a second-round pick that year was because the year before, remember in 1974, they were trying to hide guys from the world hockey, so they allowed right. each team to draft somebody in the first two rounds right. as, as an underage. Mario <laughs> Trombley, uh, Brian Trucci, Bobby Hess, those guys were all picked that year before. So that allowed me to be a second-round pick. If they were available the next year, I probably would have been a third, fourth-round pick. <laughs> wow. Well, whatever it takes. That's some important context. Yeah, yeah. yeah very important context. Forget that the first underage draft <laughs> was 1974, but they only had they were only allowed to pick them up in the first two rounds. You just put an asterisk beside your own second round pick credential. I don't. I'd just take the second round credential and run, Rick. You don't need to explain that. Lots of asterisks beside my name. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, you know, I was taking a look at the standings here. You got this group at 15, 7, and 1 at the time that we're taping this interview. 7 and 3 in your last 10 games here, Rick. I wonder, you know, as you're a quarter of the way or so through here, is there something about this group that maybe even surprised you a little bit once you got here and, and now that you're 20 games into coaching them? I think you're always going back when you don't know the players uh, only from coaching against them. But then when you get to work with them every day, you start to appreciate um, how not only are they really good players, but they're really, really good people who care an awful lot about the team and about winning. Uh, you start with our goalie, Connor Hellebuck. Man, he's just, he's just the real stud, as you know. But this guy shows up every day with a good attitude, ready to work, and obviously ready to play. He's an elite goaltender. Didn't realize how good a player Josh Morrissey was. And what a good, really, again, really, really good person. He's elite skating, high hockey IQ, great skills. So when you get to see these guys every day and you get to be around them and you start to appreciate and not only respect their skills even more, but just just as important as to respect them as people. Rick, I'm wondering what your thoughts are of how this opportunity came about. And, you know, I remember you and I spoke at one point last year and, and you didn't know what the future was going to hold because we knew that your deal was up at the end of the year in Dallas. And um, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this was the opportunity as far as you wanting to still as you put it in the past, grind away behind an NHL bench because this meant a lot to go back to Winnipeg. Yeah, it, it certainly does. And clearly this is where it all started back in November of 83 in terms of coaching at this level. But at the end of the year, uh, and I had said then that 
um, I wasn't going to chase anything. Uh, if somebody was interested in hiring me, then I'd certainly listen to any opportunities. I had three or four teams call about coming in as the associate coach and helping out, and but they're all rebuilding teams. And at my age, I had really very little interest in doing that. As much as I love coaching, as much as I love working with um, with younger players and developing them, developing them, I, I like I like to win too. So that kind of <laughs> It's kind of really didn't take a whole lot of interest in that. But when Winnipeg called, it, yeah, it, it piqued my interest because we know that this playing against them for a couple of years, we knew this was a really good team. For whatever happened last year happened. Uh, they had a bad year. You kind of felt that um, I could go in there and help the team and, and you know, make them make get them back to where they were. But just as important to us, and Judy and I talk a lot about this, that if we're going to go back to work, because we could have retired, we're quite comfortable, um, Mm -hmm. we're going to make sure we go to work with good people. And the organization here has just been outstanding. Mark Chipman's a wonderful owner, uh, working with uh, Chevy and Larry Simmons and and Craig Eisinger. These are great people, and I really, really enjoyed that. And they allowed me to hire my own staff, which is very, very important in Dallas. That wasn't the case. Fortunately, I worked with good people there. But... I was able to hire the people that I wanted to hire, and obviously Scotty or Neil Bradlauer and hiring Marty Johnson, Wade Flaherty was here. Just have an outstanding coaching staff. So every day you come to the rink, it, it's a good team. They're good people, and but the people you're working with and uh, management and coaches, they're really, really solid people. And I'm really enjoying every day. Uh, again, if you want to, we all know the grinds of the NHL, the 82s, the ups and downs, and everything. When you come to the rink, you want to make sure you you enjoy it and. Uh, it, winning helps, but you also want to enjoy it with good people, and, and I'm surrounded by great people. Rick, when you when you took the job, I know you spent some time, as lots of coaches do, reaching out and talking to players and trying to get a sense for whatever you can uh, over the course of a summer, and, and you made some pretty significant change. Uh, we know, well-documented to the leadership group, but, uh, you know, there was, listen, there was a, a, a comment from Connor Hellebuck the other day. And I'm going to read it to you here, and I can't help but wonder if when you hear this comment from Connor Hellebuck, if it isn't exactly, you know, what your goal was for this group. He said after a game, the way we are on and off the ice, especially this year, is just so much more lifting, so much more fun to be around. This doesn't feel like a job right now. It feels like we're enjoying the ride. Now, I know winning helps a lot, but to hear Connor Hellebuck say that about the environment that you've helped create around them is that feel like somewhat of that goal accomplished yes that's exactly what we wanted we wanted more voices to be heard after talking to all the players um and i as you know we all reached out to them as you said new coaches taken over and it was very apparent to me that they just they wanted there's a lot of voices that felt they weren't being heard so, okay, if that's what you want, we're going to give you that opportunity. And um, so, so we did. As a tough a decision as that was, um, it was the right decision. And uh, everyone's handled well. Everyone has a voice. Uh, so everyone feels part of, you know, the, everybody has their, your captains, your A's, and your leadership group and all that. But we have three assistants, but we have everyone in that room. Their voice is just as important as anybody else's in that room. And I felt that was very, very important to create that. You want to change the culture. You want to change the environment. They want to be heard. 
give them that opportunity. And then it's up to them. And uh, th- this is a much closer group than people realize. Uh, I know. I remember when I started to make the calls, um, Josh Morrissey just got married, and the guys were saying there was like 14 guys at his, at his wedding. Well, that doesn't happen very often, right? So it tells you there that it's a closer group than, than the perception of it. But again, they all wanted... They all wanted to have something to say. So, okay, you're going to get that opportunity. And Connor's backing that up right there. You could go to any of our players, and they would tell you hopefully the same thing, that Cole Perfetti, a 20-year-old kid coming in, if you got something to say, we want to hear it. it um, you know, so that's the that's the, that's the the atmosphere we wanted around the room. And as a coach, I've always – I've always wanted my players to come to the rink and enjoy the enjoy it. It's a grind. The practices, the meetings, the video, all that. You got to come to the rink. It's still hockey. It's still a game, and we can never ever lose sight of that. It, it's we've got to enjoy it. And as we talk to the players all the time. This is the best job in the world. It's the best league in the world, and we are blessed to be able to play in the National Hockey League every day in this league. Even for an old guy like me, I consider it to be a blessing, and never ever ever take a day in this league for granted. But enjoy the process, and if you got something to say, speak up, Rick. And and in part of doing that, you know. In moving the C off of Blake Wheeler, obviously that was a big move. But here he is. He's got 22 points in 23 games. You've backed off his minutes just a touch from previous years, but he's playing some of the most rejuvenated hockey he's played in a long time. How impressed are you with his performance this year, and and how are things between the two of you after something like that goes down? They're fine. There's been no issues at all. People automatically took the negative approach to that whole thing. People didn't realize that maybe, maybe this is a good thing for a 36-year-old player to not have to be the burden. And now that I'm back in Canada, I understand the pressures again. Right. Those seven years in Vancouver, but we had the twins and Louis and Kessler and Kevin and all those guys I can handle with it all, right? But it, it, I always looked at it when I got involved. That let's take the burden off of one guy here. What to see in a Canadian market? Because everybody kept telling me he's the face, and all the media. He was the only guy speaking out to the media. Let's take that pressure off of him. He doesn't need that at this stage of his life. He's still going to be a leader. If you're a leader in an NHL locker room, you don't need a C or an A. You're just going to lead. And then when I talked to Blake about this, and people always like, ripped it off. We didn't rip it off him. We talked about it, and this is what we think would be the best thing for you and for the team everyone took a very negative uh, outlook at it but he's relieved that he doesn't have to be the face doesn't have to deal with the media every single day and we do want that thing spread out and it has made him a better player and 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 i said now you can go home you can enjoy your kids more you can enjoy your family time more because you're not carrying the burden of the sea so i know initially it's a shock to everyone and everyone said oh it's gonna well you know what's gonna happen there but blake is handled like a true pro uh he's never complained about it he's comes to the rink every day smile on his face works hard still helps the guys out i think he's starting to realize too that you know this is this is, life is good i don't have to have that burden of the sea weigh me down i can just play hockey be a good father be a good husband and enjoy life a little bit more <clears throat> you know rick I, I i've been you know watching and hearing you since the start of the year and i've been thinking about something that is rare for a head coach uh, in the game, and I mentioned this on our podcast last week, but I, I remember Dale Hunter went in for a half season in Washington, but everyone knew it was for what it was, and it gave Dale, I think, all kinds of, I don't know if the word is leverage, but comfort, and that he was going to do it his way, and, and hopefully the players 
we're going to buy in. Now, you may coach the Jets for the next 10 years, for all I know. But my point is, you know, you're not your typical coach that's looking over his shoulder. You know, what about this? What about that? Am I, uh, am I worried about my job status? Am I worried about the job after that? Which a lot of coaches are. And I get it. I'd be the same. You know, all the stress in the coach's life. I, I feel like you're in such a good place having arrived at this gig. And I'm wondering if you feel that every day when you when you go to the office. Yeah, well, you know, I was kind of, I'm not one of those guys that, okay, they were hired to be fired. I never, ever took a coaching <laughs> job with that philosophy. I never, ever. I know that people talk about I never talked about that or even thought it that way. I'm taking that team. I'm going to coach that team forever, every time I took a job. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, at this stage of my life and my career, am I worried about getting another job? Absolutely not. Because I wasn't worried about getting this job. This job came to right. me. I didn't go after this job. This job came to me. So am I worried about what's going to happen next month, next year or two? No, absolutely not. I'll be 68 in January. You know, the run has been a lot longer than we ever could have imagined. Uh, the game has given Judy and I, our family, more than we ever, ever could have imagined. So we're comfortable. We're happy. We're, we, we know we've been very fortunate to, to coach in this league as long as we have. But, no, yeah, you're absolutely right, Pierre. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about what's going to happen. I want to enjoy it every day because it's not going to last for There's a lot more behind me than ahead of me. So I, I want to enjoy every day with but, this But my point well. is, in all seriousness, Nick, my point is that I think the players would probably feel that off you, your, your calmness and comfort that, frankly, a lot of coaches don't have. I, I mean, that's probably a positive environment that it creates, which is unique in my mind. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I just... I, Never took a job. Okay, I got to worry about this. I'm going to get fired. I always took a job. I'm going to do it my way. Whatever happens, happens. So you know. But again, uh, for me, I uh, I always say this. I wanted to. I want to be a coach the way I want to coach the way I wanted to be coached as a player. I want the players to enjoy coming to the rink as much as you can. Winning helps, right? So yeah. Anyways, it's we're in a comfortable spot, and uh, I'm enjoying the, I'm enjoying this gig very, very much. Pierre, are you writing every day thinking about your next gig? Because <laughs> I often worry you about my next gig. <laughs> you better believe it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, the payroll is good, man. <laughs> Rick, you mentioned Josh Morrissey a little bit earlier, and just sort of saying it, even realizing what a good player he is. I read an interesting quote from you. You challenged Josh. You said, listen, you know, when, when they're talking about Norris Trophy candidates at the end of the year, the top 10 defensemen in the league, I want you to be in that conversation, in and around that conversation. He is absolutely blowing the doors off offensively this year. He's got 26 points in 23 games. His career high was 37 before this. Did you know he had this level in him when you made that suggestion to him? Kind of, yes, honestly, because I remember coming into Winnipeg few years ago and I remember a lot of our pre-scout was that Morrissey was their best defenseman and we got to know when he's on the ice and he's going to run the power play more than you thought so that's what I remember I don't remember whatever whatever happened here last year last year so I kind of approached him that way like I remember coming in with Dallas and I remember our scouting report focused a lot on you on just making sure we you were we knew where you were on the ice so I took that approach to him 
so that if, if we're coming and being aware of you, other teams are too. So that's the respect that you have around the league. But now I'm looking at all the voting last year. And I don't see your name there. We're going to get your name back in there. We're going to let you be Josh Morrissey. We're going to let you play your game. We're going to let you join the rush. We're going to let you do whatever you, your hockey IQ tells you to do. So there's been, there's no harness on him. He's got the green light to go yeah. play, and it's encouraged. What and did you, What um, did you sense yeah. from him when you said that, Rick? What What did you get back from him? Like he, oh, wow, okay. Let's stick I, I think he <laughs> took a different look at himself, right? He yeah. did. But they're all very frustrated. That's one thing I learned about the conversations in the summer. They're all very disappointed and very frustrated with how last year went. They were all anxious to get back on the ice and training camp and prove that they, they're better players and be their better team. So Josh, has, he took that to heart. And he knows he was a better player than he showed last year. He knows we're a better team than we, than we were last year. So he's doing everything he can to correct those two areas. You know, you had Andre Vasilevsky in Tampa. Jake Ottinger really come on the scene last year for Dallas. What a, what a first-round series against Calgary. Now you got Connor Hellebuck playing like Connor Hellebuck, the Vezina guy from a few years ago. Are you concerned that the goalie fraternity is going to want to knock on your door and, and get some of that Rick Bonus <laughs> magic here? Or what, what What do you see Connor Hellebuck's bounce back uh, season here? So far? No, we just when we looked at all the analytics last year from, from Winnipeg and all the high – high danger chances they gave up. But my first conversation with them when I called them was, we're going to make your life a lot easier. We're going to cut mm-hmm. down on those great A's against now. We're giving up some outside shots. They can have those all day. But what we have done is we have made his life and, and Riddick's life a lot easier. We've cut down on the great A chances against us. So he's playing great. Uh, there's obviously breakdowns. There's obviously mistakes made. And when they're made, he's making some huge saves. At the, and, and it's the time timely save that keeps you in the game or um, so he's been incredible but we did make a promise to him that we would try to make his life a little easier the games we haven't <laughs> and then, but then we've corrected those things so he's been outstanding and again I love the man he's just a, he's got a great competitive side to him and he wants the ball he'd play 82 games if you let him so we're trying to we're trying to space it out a little bit give him some rest so that fine play will continue throughout the year well listening to him talk post game sounds like he's uh, got a bit of weight off of his shoulders maybe compared to the past uh, listen Rick the podcast is called got your back we love getting people's stories about that time in their life where somebody came through for them so if i pose that question to you who had the back of uh, rick bonus i think well there's probably more of the opportunities than one but you know those first early years in uh, in ottawa mm-hmm. <laughs> they, were, they were tough years right? <laughs> they were they were tough years. You talk about challenging a coach but i had ej mcguire and elaine Vigneault on my staff and I never worried one second about the, you know, those guys had my back every day. Chico Rush was our goalie coach. And those guys, man, they were so supportive. And I'd come in a little upset, man. They'd pump me back up and get me refocused. So uh, Ch- uh, EJ was unreal. Alain was unreal. And Chico was as well. So those those guys kind of looked after me through some very, very trying times as a, as a, as a young professional coach back then. So I'll, and I'll never forget that. Feels like you paid can, it can back to... Can you refresh to... my memory, yep. Rick? Sorry, Ryan. Can you refresh my memory, Rick? Were the expansion draft rules the same for Ottawa that, that, that year as they were for the Vegas Knights? I can't remember. 
options of the uh, the, the player options. I don't think so. We were so bad they changed the rules the next year for, for, for Anaheim and Florida. Remember, we got everyone's third string goalie, third or fourth string goalie. We got everyone's sixth, seventh, or eighth defenseman, and we were so bad they changed their expansion rules the very next year. Uh, yeah. Ten seventy and four, I think. Yeah. Ten seventy and four. And I don't know how we did that. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to let you get out of here, but quickly, Rick, uh, a few rapid-fire questions, and then we'll get you get you out of here because I know you're busy. Are you, you, you up for some rapid-fire real quick? Sure. All right. Uh, worst scrap that you ever lost was to who? Oh, I can tell you I never lost. <laughs> you got the perfect oh. record. Remember, uh, remember Jerry Corab? Remember big Jerry Corab? I oh, fought him oh. in Buffalo. And he was so much bigger than me. And he just held me out there. And I couldn't reach him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what they call him, Big Jerry Corp. I couldn't reach him. <laughs> in all of the cities that you've been as a player and a coach, what was your longest commute to the rink, from home to the rink? Which city? Hmm. It, would be Dallas. it would be Dallas. It was 30 minutes down to the game rink. That's not too bad, actually. No, no. Uh, no, no. What does Rick Bonus have on the radio in the car on the way to the rink? Classic rock and roll. Classics. Very good. So favorite band then would be? Pardon me? Favorite band would be who? Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Solid. Uh, A player who never ended up coaching that you think would have made a great coach? Ray Bork. Hmm. Uh, When computers and data became a thing, did you embrace it or did you fight it every step of the way? No chance, man. I, I embraced it. The one term I never want to hear associated with my name is old school. So whatever came along, man, I jumped in. <laughs> well, I don't want to tell tales out of school here. Because say he's always always old, he's old school. I hate that term. So I embrace it. I embrace analytics. Anything that's coming along, I'm, I'm embracing. I don't want to tell tales out of school, but there was a slight bit of concern about your ability to hop on this chat effectively. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would, that would be true. But that's why we have video coaches. They help me out with yeah. this. <laughs> uh, last book that you read. Oh, gosh. Good question. No you can answer. pass. Okay, no problem. Um, you ever call an opponent after a game to apologize? No. Never done it. Uh, what other sport you think you might be able to coach? Golf. Yeah? You got some game, Rick? How are you out there? No, but I, I can pretend I do. <laughs> you can, you're good from the cart, giving tips from the cart? That's what I, yeah, exactly. Here, hold the thing like that. <laughs> okay, last one. And keep in mind, we may have some research on this one and know the answer. Have you ever oh. dressed up in a Santa suit for the kids? <laughs> yes. Yes, you have. You care to refresh us on that story? Was that Jimmy Neal? Yeah, that is very true. So, yeah, my actually, my, we had our grandson with us that year. So, it was his first Christmas. So, I dressed up for Santa, and then Jimmy had his grandchildren over. So, he wasn't that far from the house, so we drove over and uh, yeah, made a little walk around the yard so the kids could see Santa. That was fun. I enjoyed that. I still have that open. <laughs> that's awesome. Great stuff, Rick. Well, listen, Rick, Rick, Rick that's a reminder that you got to look at your contract more carefully and about all the different <laughs> subclauses in there. I mean, that's, uh... Uh, Rick, really appreciate your time. Best of luck the rest of the way, and uh, thank you kindly for joining us. Always a pleasure. Great seeing you guys. You too. Yeah. Thank you, Rick. Thank, thank you very much.
All right, that's going to wrap up the podcast. Big thanks to Rick Bonus for taking some time to join us here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog. Thanks to our sponsors, as always, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Pro Hockey Life, and of course, Liberty Smart Security. Going to try and drop another edition of Got Your Back NHL, maybe a little bit later on in the week. Check us out on Friday. Thanks for your downloads and your subscriptions, folks. Have yourselves a fantastic day. Look forward to chatting with you soon. Cheers. Cheers.